we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta <laughs> Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Hello and welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Hi, Scott Westby. Hi, Matt Waterworth. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. We got a big episode, huge guest. It's going to be fun. Uh, so let's just jump right into the news so we can get to that. Okay. Uh, so big news um, from the people working on the Lewis and Clark uh, miniseries, yeah. um, which has kind of been scrapped a little bit um they they went on hiatus for creative differences um between the director and cinematographer back in the summer um and now they're announcing that lewis and clark is going to be redeveloped so the original scripts for the miniseries which were written by john curran michelle ashford and edward norton are being scrapped and michelle ashford is taking over to rewrite the whole thing edward norton was a writer yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah weird he sure was and, and brad pitt was involved too in the huh. new yeah in a producing capacity so, so crazy that that yeah. didn't work out but i guess that's, i agree that's how it goes um and then when, once she kind of redevelops it it's going to have to go through hbo's greenlighting process again and if it gets picked up they're going to look at existing footage uh to see if any of it is usable so huge just terrible thing to happen to this series um no word yet on if they'll come back and shoot in alberta but of course we hope that they do and uh obviously it's a great uh great location for it so i'm trying to i'm just trying to think of the pressure that you're under because because tv is in such a massively perfected almost place where it's like okay yeah so lewis and clark uh, right after game of thrones oh yeah okay so we're making a show that's going to be right next to the best show ever right. made maybe yeah um, it's a lot of pressure it for is, anybody yeah. for sure for sure there's a new initiative to uh, aim uh, to double the number of women directing uh, tv right now the women uh, women in view and the directors guild of canada have announced plans to launch an initiative to double the number of women directing scripted tv in canada within two years which is awesome the project huge, yeah. entitled uh two, two times, times more. more was unveiled at the cmpa primetime luncheon on thursday and sets out to increase the percentage of scripted television shows directed by women from 17 percent to 35 percent over two years which is that's even an unfortunate number that they're <laughs> attempting to get to, unfortunately, yeah. but yeah. it's good that it's going up. For sure. um, so you can check out more information about that on playbackonline.ca and we'll have the link in the show notes. Uh, so Telefilm um, just released some stats about their 2014 box office year, um, noting that it was up 4% uh, over 2013's year, which is, oh, okay. which is great. So um, among the commercial successes um, for 2014 were Mommy, of course, which we've all heard a lot about, The Grand Seduction, 1987, Trailer Park Boys Don't Legalize yeah. It, The F Word, Dr. Cabby, uh, and The Captive, all which earned more than a million dollars at the domestic box office, which is amazing. That is amazing. It was also a good year for international sales, um, which were up 75% from the prior year's figures, Wow, um, which is great. So congrats, everybody, for a great uh, yeah, 2014. Yeah, good news for everybody, so, yeah. Yeah, um, these are new numbers um, on, on a bit of an older year, so uh, yeah, we'll keep tabs on this as we yeah. go, obviously. Uh, the Edmonton City Council is mulling a home for the film commissioner. Edmonton will have a renewed film commission, but what it looks like and who will run it is still up for debate. The Edmonton Economic Development Corporation housed the city's film commissioner until last year when they decided to take a different approach and did not appoint a new commissioner. A film commissioner typically acts as a champion for the industry and helps with location scouts, um, attracting production to the city and for a new commissioner the city administration suggested housing the commission within the arts council but some member of the film industry who spoke out uh, to council tuesday worried that it would lose focus there so both points seem valid in yeah, that, and that's sure. a, an interesting uh, thing to learn more about which you can do so uh, thanks to metro news article which we will have in the show notes as well yeah and our that's calgary film commissioner of course luke azevedo mm-hmm. um, is a great voice for film industry absolutely in and that's an important position and uh, it's 
that's certainly something we're going to keep an eye on as it progresses. Yeah. Um, so Adam Scorgi, who we had on the podcast uh, earlier uh, last year, yes. um, sent us a note to kind of keep us up to date on his projects, which we just love. So he had uh, he had three projects that he talked about: Ice Guardians, Chasing Evil, and uh, Soul on Ice, which is about uh, African Americans in hockey. Um, they're all moving forward. Um, he sent us some trailers, and uh, you can check out one of the trailers uh, for Soul on Ice specifically. Uh, we'll have a link to that in our show notes, which looks really intense. Yeah, yeah, Pretty heavy, and heavy, heavy duty subject, subject matter. Yeah, so Soul on Ice retails the virtually unknown contributions of black athletes in ice hockey. Mm. For decades, hockey was seen as a homogeneous sport, exciting to watch, but played by one kind of player. Soul and Ice presents the exploits of athletes who dared to stand out and dared to make the sport their own. Mm. So that's great. Um, and, and it looks, yeah, pretty dramatic. So uh, yeah, definitely check out that link and uh, we'll continue to follow along with Adam's projects as they're available to be seen somewhere. So yeah, keep up to date on that. So this is the first time I think we've recorded news on the same day. We just had Brendan Hunter in, in the room here and just what a, like what an intense uh massively like every answer was like so rich and i can't wait to share this with you guys because right out of the gate he gets so deep into something non-film related yeah. in some ways um and it's it's just he's a great great speaker and a great boon to our, our community here in calgary and in alberta yeah brendan is uh, an actor who, who you might know from shows such as um, wild roses where he played a seamstress which we talk about <laughs> he's also in uh, 12 men of christmas i love um, just watching like i watched santa baby 2 didn't even know he was in it yeah. and there he is it's it's cool to see him pop up in things he was a big uh, he was a big producer on lloyd the conqueror yes. um, he's been on hell on wheels uh, burlesque assassins the right kind of wrong he was in fargo season one yeah. um which was kind of nice to see him there we um, didn't really go too much into his imdb but i highly recommend you check it out because it is a long long list he's he's got a really really massive resume that uh, and a lot of great information that he's learned along the way that he is kind enough to share with us so uh without further ado here it is with uh brandon hunter This is the whitest MC in history. <laughs> Drop the microphone. I am also on the microphone. <laughs> microphone check. So just to start with, with your personal life a little bit, how many kids now? Uh, I have three children, wow. six and a half, four next week, and a one-year-old <laughs> who's walking into mussing up the place. Right, right. Wow. Um, I remember running camera for Rhonda a little bit and, and you making the announcement and we were kind of, I don't know, maybe some of the first people who have who heard about it. So it's exciting. How's being a dad and an actor at the same time? Wait, are we talking seven years ago when, when yes, we first yes, had a child? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, not to say it's diminishing returns, but your first child is a game changer across right. the board. Right. The second child is obviously a lot of work and, mm -hmm. and you know it's still really lovely and you still you know cry and laugh when the baby comes out and you meet it for you know all that stuff it still happens the third one you're you're pretty dialed in by this point i mean i, I don't know if we're doing a uh, how not to dad dirty <laughs> podcast right now but it's you know it's like right okay so we're going back to zero um you're completely dependent on right. us and and you don't contribute a damn thing yeah, haven't i raised you already <laughs> yeah. but but you're beautiful and my body says love you so <laughs> we keep you alive because you will become this person but you know the first year is really challenging for men yeah we we don't have a lot to contribute mm. uh, they do eat and sleep a lot and um so you know you kind of lose a bit of your partner because they are uh, heavily uh, required by this new entity for sure but also i mean yeah so we're th you know third kid in our other kids dress themselves use the toilet know how to you know 
wash up and feed tell you what's wrong with them and yeah, yeah yeah they can bring you the ipad and say i want to watch and they just do it like it's like okay cool <laughs> which is all great i mean it is every stage is really unique and amazing and you know i'm not going to knock a single stage i mean we're only seven years in but it's all really cool and it's, of course it's the greatest but hardest let's underline hardest because people forget it is the greatest and hardest thing you'll ever do right because it just really is a physiological, chemical, neurological, phys- you know, everything is connected to this. Yeah. And, you know, we make product for a living, but um, so do a lot of people. And obviously there's a huge glut of product in the market, whether whether you're doing online or, or um, even live things. Uh, here is your legacy, mm. for better or for worse. Because you can make a movie that people might care about for a month, a year, maybe 10 years if you're lucky. Very few of us will have some kind of like Criterion Collection, 50th anniversary, sure. everybody get a boner sure. again. Sure but these children who are obviously, you know, a, a part of you, but also these very unique individuals, it is the literal definition of awesome to bear witness to a life form uh, noticing, engaging and interacting with this world, this life beside you. Right. Because it reminds you of again you know where did i come from and where am i now i've forgotten most of how i got here and to see through fresh eyes and hear the questions of innocence and and to see the uh you know the unrestricted and unhindered uh relation to the world where it is pure it is sobs and it is laughter and it is love that makes them just fall on the ground because there is too much like you know when they see santa and it's like ladies seeing elvis in the 70s right it's like god can't, can't handle it but it is you know so there's that purity but there's also that kind of humility of we've all gone through our share of of, of turmoil and troubles and that's shaped us but what a great reminder to see the innocence and beauty of well, what does it mean to be a human being? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. we all get so caught up in the day-to-day. I got to make my money. I got to pay my bills. I got to take care of people or, or contribute to people or ask of people. And then to see that kind of just pure wide-eyed wonderment of, you know, when their little hand comes up and holds your finger to like, you know, feel connected and safe in a new place. It's, yeah, it's amazing. So, wow. Um, but you just completely look, seven terrified billion people on this world. <laughs> uh, I'm a great advocate for people that do not want to have children mm-hmm. or are waiting exponentially to maybe consider it in their later years. But right. uh, I'm I'm very I'm very I'm very fortunate. I have a wonderful partner and wife who I got to raise a family with. But it's it's not the uh, it's not the be all end all. It's just it is a huge. Uh, fundamental change if you choose or if you become a parent it it's uh it's it's to reiterate best and worst of of life right i feel like we should have ended with that <laughs> no doubt because yeah. everything else now is going to feel so trivial yeah, yeah. it just took me on a so trip, how's man. the film industry in alberta <laughs> no oh, right it's uh, like a child <laughs> it's the best and, and worst, worst. <laughs> um yeah. So, yeah, okay, so let's not maybe not start from when you were um, an innocent child, but maybe a little bit later in your story. Mm-hmm. Um, did my first MOW at nine months old. Right, awesome. Is this true? Is that true? Yeah, it is wow, true. Wow, okay. sweet, what was it? It was an Alberta-produced TV drama, movie of the week, called Five Fridays in February, which is obviously insane. <laughs> I'm nine months old, my mother is a nurse in the movie, and my dad's a set builder on the on the film oh so you come from 
from film and television royalty. Well, royalty would I, imply there was some kind of success. <laughs> have you ever heard of Five Fridays in February? I have not. Um, but uh, no, my mother was an aspiring actress when she mm. was a young person and, and then uh, met my biological father and they had a couple of kids and they they, they still contributed. And uh, when they separated, my dad moved to Toronto and became Norman Jewison's special effects technician Whoa. for a few of uh, his big films like wow. Agnes of God and Children of a Lesser God were huh. both up for Academy Awards. and. Um, Royalty sounds right now. But yeah, so at nine months old, I was, um, this might be a stretch for the imagination. I played a baby in a hospital. Well done, well done. I bet you were great. I've I've yet to see it. I'm still (laughs) waiting to be on Letterman and then finding it and being like, (laughs) you know, I guess Letterman won't be the guy. No, I guess not. (laughs) But maybe I'm on an old Jimmy Fallon show and he's got the white hair and it's all. uh, But yeah, no, I'd love to see it someday. I, I, uh. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it was one of those things that never got a formal release, right? It was like a 1980s, it would have been 1980, 1980 right. TV, you know, yeah. direct. Straight to VHS. Probably didn't or, have a VHS release. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it just probably didn't. But um, but yeah, so the humble beginnings and, uh, hmm. and and yeah, and then obviously I took a bit of a break. <laughs> For a few the years? Fame got, the fame got sure, too much. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I moved to the mean streets of Winnipeg. <laughs> That's true as well. Huh. And, you were uh, born here? Yeah, I was born in Basha, Alberta, okay. which is near uh, Camrose. All right, um, and um, and yeah, it was. Uh, I was I was uh, in Winnipeg by the time I was three, so it's kind of whatever. I mean, it took me twenty some years. I moved back to Calgary in two thousand and one after doing a bunch of shows for ATP and Stage West and Vertigo, where I didn't know why I was getting so much work in Calgary, but I was living out on the West Coast and not getting very much work out there. So it's kind of like well go where you're wanted kind of thing wow cool yeah. that's a rare story mm-hmm. to come from west coast into into calgary um, well i just thought that's where you had to go sure. i think that's how a lot of us relate to media or art right is you have to go to these centers and finished high school and said well i'm going up i had family in victoria i moved out there started working in uh, tv and theater out there but victoria is a very small market of course lovely town but you know not a, a whole lot of professional um arts trajectory so i was going over to vancouver a lot just for auditions and stuff but market vancouver is huge and i wasn't landing anything i was a new kid and trying to just kind of get situated but yeah kept getting off of these two and three month gigs in calgary which to be fair i didn't know calgary had such a vibrant arts community mm-hmm. so so it was kind of nice to to eventually go well geez i could keep fighting a you know against I don't even know what I was fighting against in Vancouver. Like, it's just like sheer numbers in a yeah, lot of ways, yeah. right? Like right. here, I'm up against maybe 10 guys in my demographic mm-hmm. there. It's at least 100, maybe right. 200. Right. So it's, you know, for me to land 10% of auditions here, which is, you know, kind of like that formula, a successful sure. actor, you know, books 10% of their auditions. And it's like, damn, that's not very good. But, you know, it's it's like professional baseball. Just hit the ball two to three times out of 10, <laughs> and here's a lot of money. But I think if you've got a greater than 10% success rate, I would say that you're not trying hard enough. Mm. Or you're, like, it's just like we, we talk about earning your nose, right? And mm. you need to earn nine no's before you get that yes. And I think there are some people who sure. will get a yes right away and not really understand how hard that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good oh, point. Totally right. So I think that there are some people who only play sure things. Um, and I think they need to take more risks. Yeah, it's an important lesson to to understand how the whole system works. 
Because it's the same for producers. I mean, and, and you know sure. this as well, like applying for grants or um, casting with, with name actors, you're going to hear your nose, right? Like it, it cuts both ways mm-hmm. in, in, in every facet of this industry. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think we follow the 10% rule, too, and we're not actors, which is interesting. And every market, you know, every market will bear what it will bear, but every market has that similar structure. It's just how many people are are in that pot, right? right? Yeah. And, you know, there's still lots of opportunities, probably in any market you look at. They might be few and far between, but even rural areas get a certain amount of product because it's either a good location or it's got some kind of service. But, I mean, even in Calgary, we get lots of national and international pieces coming through here. I say lots as if, you know, we're on the same level as, as Vancouver, Toronto. I'm not saying we are, but we get a lot of ex, uh, opportunities and uh, and the stuff we do it does get pushed out high class to the world. And, totally. you know, it is uh, a bit of a numbers game when when that national ad campaign comes to Calgary for casting. Well, amazing, right? Because someone in your community is going to get it and and they're probably going to stay living here afterwards like even if they get that nice big check and maybe they get renewed a year or two that gives another person in our community the uh, capacity to play the long game Mm -hmm. because that's usually for any part of this is is most people can't keep doing it Mm -hmm. i mean you get to a certain point of either responsibilities or debt threshold or whatever it is where you're like i i guess i'm gonna have to shift a bit here but for those of us that are lucky to go, okay, well, it's been a decade now that I've just worked in this industry and I haven't looked outside of it. The will edge of the course of that is like at a certain point, you're like, well, what else would I do? Right. Yeah. The skills I've acquired while transferable are highly fine tuned to this industry. Mm-hmm. And, and then you look around at the uh, workforce today and, you know, everyone's got one or two out of the 10 of their friends who have, you know, because of the constraints on the on the uh, on the uh, economy it, it's not a place to just go you know what now's the time to re-enter the labor market yeah or let me try something new yeah. i think i'll just be an oil and gas you know executive <laughs> like well, okay hold on, hold on. <laughs> but to be an artist is a very adaptive role right i mean like we have to be fluid just as producers okay they come with you you know with a budget and a and an idea or, or you know an intent and then it's like okay navigate that to hopefully come out with something that is usable and and hopefully gets you towards the next project, but mm-hmm. nothing is very linear on any side of this equation. Right. And right. hell, people don't want to hear that I'm looking for a job every two or three days. Like they 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 could not and they should not right. want to live in that world. Right. If everyone wanted to do the same damn thing, well, great, mm-hmm. we would have nothing. But um, but yeah, it is a, you know it is a malleable environment. We all flex and, and contract with whatever's happening and we are problem solvers i mean that's really what we end up doing and not that that isn't predominantly what we see everywhere but there is a real connection to art and creating as as, as really being the strongest problem solvers um that our society has to offer indeed that's a good point and it's interesting that right now that's exactly what this economy needs is problem solvers and innovation and uh yeah, I mean, it, we do corporate video, so there's some some uh, translation there when it comes to you know ways to reach an audience or ways to, for for us to speak to clients and help them access their audience in a cheaper, more creative way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point. We're problem solvers. Yeah, we know this. <laughs> well, at least I did. <laughs> um, so Matt and I both grew up wanting to be actors and acting as kids. 
we just had Taylor Ross on last week who also grew up wanting to be an actor. She, she started going to school for, for acting uh, and then got into producing. So why, uh, why didn't you quit? Are you crazy or what happened? I think, well, I think a lot of people in this industry wanted to originally act and now are doing something else. Sure. Look at your high school yearbook. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you weren't on a sports team, you were probably in the drama or music society and so like, I, that is a, a very natural humanistic response sure. is that there's a few of us that are really into facts and figures and book smart and, and you know, mm -hmm. like, and that's a really important side of things. Um, but look at science and math. I mean, yeah, there's formulas. Yeah. There, but there's a whole, uh, there's a whole uh, breadth of, of really creative problem solving that goes into those. And if that's the side of it, that like if you're just totally bonered for math because it just, it opens up the world. Like it, it, it starts to give you the hints as to how it all works. And then that just takes, you know, like creative thinking, right? But so many of us had a much more finite, uh, you know, I, I'd like to be successful at I see my sports heroes or I see my media heroes and I would love to have that, you know, it, it's, it's very romanticized, of course. Um, but yeah, there's a huge amount of discipline and, 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 and luck and, uh, you know, it, it's not like I go to theater school and I come out and I go to my agent and they book me and I start making six figures and right. then I go, uh, I've done that for two years, now I want seven figures. There's no linear formula for, no. for you know, and uh, and look at the great success stories, especially for actors later in their career. Brian Cranston, um, who who was a working actor, disciplined, uh, professional, very capable, very accomplished, but was was no one that anyone was getting too excited about. So you know, he gets a here little thing there, and that you know has to do the work, take the money, survive, all the while hoping to somehow help navigate towards the bigger and better things that we all want right i mean you would never have taken the dad from break uh, from from malcolm the middle and said here this is a breaking bad thing that i think you're perfect for no he fought for that right, right. like he had to prove himself he had to go and say you don't know what i have to offer so please let me try and show you mm -hmm. and and you know the courage and bravery and talent that that all takes so it's it's in no way a fault to to people that can't keep going because there's limitless uh, hurdles ahead of you right i mean wh whether you're financially well off or not it can take a lot of resources to keep going i mean if there's a dry spell for six months and you eventually go well i'm just going to take a part-time thing to make sure and then they're like you're, you're a smart guy you're your go-getter you're problem solver how about a full-time managerial position here's a corner office very easy right yeah and and i like so many others had to make a choice at a certain point i'm sitting there in a freaking like an office space where i can get the job done but i'm not in any way getting you know it's it's, it's not a nurturing or nourishing type of you know okay here's your tasks here's your salary here's your office and and it had started out as like this part-time thing that complemented my acting and eventually it takes over because it's you know well we want to give you more responsibilities more money da, 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 da. that happens to a lot of people and it's in no way a fault of theirs and uh, we we have a, a, an incredibly hard time keeping the momentum going because even if you're lucky enough to get that national spot last year doesn't really change when you go into that audition tomorrow mm. 
you know i mean you're still up against the you know the collective community of competition and you may or may not be right for that you know it's it's it, it's always this really non-linear volatile environment where great made thirty thousand dollars this month didn't work for 12 more months right great made 30 grand that year which is <laughs> nothing to sneeze at as an no, artist no, because sure. a lot of artists are going okay well i i supplement my my art with with you know these other types of revenues but it's also that diversity that you know at calgary we have a great community we have so many options for talent um if if people don't know this like all the faculties from the ufc uh medicine law veterinary pharmacy um geez i mean there's the, the list goes on they they employ actors to come in and help them with their standardized testing really? to to give the students a uh yeah a professional baseline as okay th this actor will portray this character all day the hundred students that come through here all day for their test will have the same experience you know like it, it's a uh, you know all of these pieces that together allow an actor to go okay well i'm doing a show at this theater in the evenings that pays me x do, you know dollars a week uh, i have an audition for that radio ad i have an audition for that tv you know piece but i can also take this you know standardized uh, actor patient work or client work for these faculties they can kind of stitch together a dozen or so revenue streams and tailor them back and forth as you know well i've got i've got six days on this tv show i won't be doing really anything for the next two or three weeks other than that and they you know that that kind of flexibility is in our community and and uh hopefully more and more actors uh are drawing upon it because it's just kind of those ways of weathering the lean times yeah and not having to go and you know maybe take focus away take momentum away these are these are easy in and out kinds of things whereas as we all know you go and start a new job everything's pretty easy going for the first few days oh you know what you should kind of how about this why don't you just here's some more here and you know just it builds 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 so you've got this whole set of responsibilities that you take ownership for because you're a goddamn responsible adult <laughs> and it buries you it buries you yep. it detracts from your focus it takes your energy it takes your you know it takes your mental state it, it's a incredibly hard thing to continue to create and yeah. be a present and be flexible and be available these are not normal things in north american culture no no so where where can actors who are starting out where can how can they find these opportunities the um i would assume it it's uh it's a matter of uh, contacting the uh the ufc or the faculties um i mean hell i've always been a connection in town here if people want to just contact me on facebook or whatever and, and just ask me direct questions i'm I'm usually uh, pretty quick to turn around that knowledge. I don't feel like me telling you that there's opportunities and there somehow limits or diminishes my ability to also use those opportunities. If, uh, yeah, if that's something you want, uh, by all means, give me a shout or, or um, check it out with, because, um, I mean, I only know about so many of, of, of these things. There's there's a lot more that I don't even know about and, and people out in there can probably enlighten us if, if that's the type of forum this starts. But... But yeah, check in with the UFC. A lot of the faculties under that banner have use of actors, and um, and it is piecemeal work. I mean, it's you know, can you do Thursday from one to six, hmm. and then that's it. Yeah, you know, right. and then next week, what are you doing Tuesday? Right. Do you want it? No, great, no problem. <laughs> it's funny because, I mean, I, I always I, I see that more as as the 
technical skill freelancer mentality, like someone who can run a camera. That's how they support themselves, right? Is by picking up freelance gigs that are a day. And I don't think I've ever really considered acting as as that sort of technical gig thing. I don't know, which is totally what it always has been. I've just never, I've never considered approaching it from- Yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah, it does. And uh, I mean, that's why you're here on the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast, because I think actors are just as much filmmakers as anyone else on set. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, you're, it's a great point. I, I don't really ever frame it that way, but it's... And I think that's an important... And maybe just because we're not professional actors, yeah, right? Yeah. You don't understand that. But I think it is an important mindset to think of, of the skills that you have and how to create your own stability, mm-hmm. right? And, and obviously, as entrepreneurs, Matt and I do it all the time. Yeah. But, uh, but you're right. I mean, yeah. it is looking at what... And, and possibly what you're feeling comfortable or competent at, right? I mean, a lot of people, right. regardless of whether they're an actor or not, don't like public speaking. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you put a character and a camera beside them, you know, they can they can work in that world, but it's very different than addressing a group of 100 or 200 people. Right. So if that is something that you actually are capable of, the you know, the world of, of MCs and hosts and uh, corporate, oh, yeah. uh, you know, leadership and team building things, Geez, you know, like I, I, you know, I feel like I'm pitching a CV here, but you know, th- that's the spectrum of all the things I go. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I'll come in. I'll, I'll host your, your, your Christmas party or your team building event, or you know, I've got friends that MC weddings that they don't know the couple, huh. but they're, you know, they're an engaging, right, funny, charming, sure. actor who, you know, that's one of the things they sell. Huh. Well, I can come in and host your, you know, MC your wedding, and, wow. and and that takes off the pressure from like their best man, who's probably not interested not speaker, in doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he'll do his slurred speech, and right, he'll right. dance with the bride, and he'll right. be nice. But <laughs> but he would probably love the opportunity to just enjoy the damn thing because mm-hmm. it's a lot of stress. Right. But if you're on the other side of it, where well, that's my job. Yeah, I'll just breeze in, do my ninety minutes, collect the check, and you guys just have a great time. I mean, it's it's. You know what a service to be able to offer yeah it's true yeah certainly yeah and i'm sure they take it very seriously and do their research and make sure that it's a very personal experience oh God, no. for everyone no yeah. they just wing it <laughs> no they have one formula one template they scratch Same out for everybody steve yeah. right in matt yeah. and uh they're off to the races no of course not no yeah these people uh, i mean you, you talk to an actor that's been in calgary for 20 years professionally and uh of course they'll have some stories i mean mm. You know whether they were, uh, you know, a Santa at Chinook for a decade, or, or right. uh, you know, whether they they take headshots on the side because they're also a very accomplished photographer, but they're also an actor, and this is their their blend of worlds because at least it's related. At mm-hmm. least you know, like mm-hmm. all that stuff is the way we choose to. Yeah, my problem is eating, rent, whatever the <laughs> big problems are. Yeah, yeah. My problem is income, right? And and uh, you know, I have a myriad of ways that I can approach getting there. But yeah, a lot of it is self-starting problem solving, entrepreneurial spirit kind of stuff where it's like, what do I have to offer? And we all create that list, fine tune that, sell that. And and through the broad spectrum of those things, we either eke out uh, and survive or we find the things that work and we start to thrive. And mm-hmm. that's, like, that's really the key. And that's what we probably always struggle with because there's an ever shifting demand and interest in, in what we can all provide but when you've when you've kind of found a vein that's you know and you obviously are probably giving that the most attention to surviving is our baseline of course because but that's where most of us end up having to live just because of the right. constraints yeah. on on everything but yeah to thrive is 
is the goal. Right. I mean, that to me is success. Right. It's not, it's not that yes, every month I paid the bills. Yeah, that's success to a degree. But after a certain while, I mean, that kind of volatility, it takes its toll on you emotionally. If you can never look at your bank statement and see that there's a surplus, but you're, you know, every day you're doing the work, you're getting it done, well, you're working hard, but you're still wishing you could be working smarter, mm -hmm. you know? And, and some of it's luck, some of it's just falling into your lap that friend of a friend recommends and, you know, client comes in and they give you three jobs and all of a sudden, well, your whole month or two months is, is, is paid for. But to be able to make that a consistent thing, that's the challenge yeah, because yeah. it's, it's to sit there and wait for the phone or wait for the, you know, money from the sky to fall. We, we do it. We we're there, we're ready. But the ones hopefully that thrive are the ones that are like, great. That's something I'm really fortunate to sometimes receive, but where, where's my best skill and how valuable is it right. and how do I position it and how do I give it value? Because God knows we are asked to do, and you as well, any side of, of this world is asked to do a lot for nothing or yeah. as next to nothing yeah. as they can Definitely, get away. Yeah. And what about the, like, what, what do you use as a tool to weather that, to, to like get through lean times, to, to make sure that you're not sucked in by this manager job that, that you don't really want to do? What, what's the, what's the mental toughness? What's the, the, the tool you use to kind of keep, keep the hustle up? You know, I'm, I'm sure my story is similar to and quite different than most as it's got to be, as we're all somewhat unique. Um, for 10 or 12 years now, I haven't had, um, you know, what would be considered a normal job or, right. a, you know, a corporate or Joe job kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, and some of that was, was uh, you know, during the lean times, my wife was employed in those other capacities and we had, you know, income and, and health benefits that you know okay it's it's not as great as it was and so that you know those opportunities are very fortunate a lot of people don't have that side of things um dual artist homes for instance extremely volatile mm -hmm. obviously can be really hard on the relationship as well as the bank and um part of it is you know like i i did start producing uh as a means to create the opportunities i felt were lacking in our community i mean i think a lot of us choose that like we're, we're you know we're kind of students of our industry okay well who's making what how can i help how can i be a part of things oh my god it's so much fun we're friends and we're making these cool things and we just spend a weekend and had a blast made a short film and there's all this kind of like purity and joy and, and you know like all the things that made us want to be creators was based on I get to make this thing, share this thing. It impacts these people. I feel X, you know, like all of those things before it became, okay, so what's my market? What's my distribution strategy? What's my P&A budget? Okay, right. wh how, what's my reporting looking like to the investors? Which is an evolution of, okay, so I wanna make my art a commodity. In order to do that, it has to have a certain amount of uh, you Sellability. Know, viability. Yeah. It has to, yeah, it has to be at a certain quality level, which means a certain amount of, you know, finance to a degree, and, and I'd love to have the best of the possible people as as team members. They should be paid something, and 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 will be all those things. And all of a sudden, you're in a different world where uh, maybe it'll be fun later, <laughs> right? Maybe if I just get through it, right. it'll be fun later. And you know, I think we all have that. Where sometimes it's like, well, what, what's your favorite part of filmmaking? I'm like, I don't know. Well, hearing the audience laugh when it's done because god damn does it ever take a lot of work just to get there right yeah. 
And uh, nothing against people that make dramas. I mean, I'm sure it's still somewhat cathartic to watch an audience sit there silently and hopefully digest your movie's meaning. But I love comedies because I get that immediate visceral reaction. Oh, thank God. Okay, yeah, they're here. They got it. They got it. And then the second laugh is like a high. Like it's a a shot of adrenaline. (laughs) Maybe a fluke. (laughs) Like saved. They saw the boom in the shot. They're all laughing at me. Right. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's actually a pretty good segue, I think, into you as a producer. Although, can we take a little side journey? Because voice acting is a huge part of your career as well. And it sounds like it has been for quite a while. Um, I know that you're an invited speaker at uh, things like Animathon in Edmonton. And uh, so anime shows and, and characters um, in that world seems to be a niche that you found. Is that accurate? So... Yes, I was super fortunate that when I moved to Calgary, my agent, that's one of the things that they sent me out for, was going out for these cartoons that get dubbed here from, mm-hmm. from all over the world. Any, any uh, foreign language piece that um, wants North American dubbing, one of the studios that does that in North America is, uh, is in Calgary. It's right. actually a satellite office of a Vancouver studio, and they've got satellite offices in Edmonton as well. And, um, and they were doing... Um, a lot of product when I got here and, and, and it was really fun. I mean, I, I can't say enough good about how freeing and fun it is to be in a booth with a microphone, watching cartoons <laughs> and being told that's you, here's your script, fight that dude. <laughs> because I'm 5'8", 150 pounds. I've never really been a big guy or, or intimidating guy and they're getting me to play these these monstrous muscular men because i've always had a deeper voice than my body and that kind of worked against me in certain things because mm. theater you know especially musical theater was like i don't know what to do with you man like you're 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 a 20 something guy with a bass baritone voice and you know back when i was pretty they were like you know like you're like a leading man visual <laughs> but you're like a villain mm. uh you know in, in terms Vocally. of your vocal range and so i worked with a vocal coach trying to like Mesh, mesh the two, but these are my tools, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, that's how my physiology is. And so to make cartoons, nothing you, you know, nothing you look like matters anymore. Right. Like that that super freedom of being an actor, it always matters. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, has no bearing whatsoever. Right. But because you've been an actor so long, you do something that very few other people do. You take text, put humanity to it, and have it connect to an audience, which is acting for a better you know right. for lack of a better term so all of a sudden no one gives a damn what you look like and and nor should they i mean it's wonderful when i go to studios and the the person coming out before me um as an example is uh is in a wheelchair you know they obviously have some pretty major constraints on the way that they're totally. able to participate in the uh, you know in the community as as if, if as a talent um and I get in the booth and all I do is raise the microphone up a little bit and I take over from where they left off. I right. mean, it, what a cool equalizing opportunity. Uh, and, and for the people that are extremely shy or extremely uh, prone to anxiety and things like that, what a safe place to just live with this piece of you know metal and plastic and rubber and uh, hopefully someone else is dealing with the uh, fine tuning of it. But finally, some people discover their voice. Mm. They've never felt comfortable speaking up. They've never felt comfortable presenting their 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 art or their uh, their feelings or whatever. But then you give them basically a padded room 
because right. <laughs> if you go into studios, you'll see it's like a padded closet. It's, you know, it's it, if you're claustrophobic, maybe that's something to overcome. But for the most part, it's like this safe, quiet, warm environment. And some guy looks at you through the window and gives you the thumbs up. <clears throat> Hi, this is Brendan Hunter, and I'll be reading for X. And and you just, all of a sudden, everything is is easy. I mean, it's just like this kind of lovely, safe place to play. And if you need to, like, you know, run on the spot or put your arms up like an orangutan to get the sound and emotion and, and all the, go for it. It's so great because <laughs> it's it really is cathartic. Of, yeah, you finally let go. Yeah. I think of that armor maybe. that. Mm. And I think that's yeah. why voice is so interesting to most people because that's kind of like my most common query is how did you get into voice and how do I become a voice actor? Mm -hmm. And a much smarter VA than me, a voice actor than me, was was really succinct in this explanation early on in my career that, I have no reason to fear other VAs. I'm not in competition with other VAs. We are all in competition with whatever's in the director or the producer's mind. We all go in there, mm. we put our little voice through the microphone, we, you know, our, our fingerprint, our, our personality, right? Like you know, everyone's voice is as unique as their fingerprint. And we hope that that fingerprint opens the lock. And we say, thank you and good day. And we let, you know, and if 10 of us are really hot, great professionals, there's still only be one of us that opens that right that lock and so when i see someone in the waiting room i have no reason to to fear them or, or or you know and and same when people ask me how do i get into it i'm not giving away my jobs because right. more people are interested in it they'll have their own path and their own locks to open mm -hmm. and and that's pretty great i mean if if i looked just like tom cruise i'd probably be pretty jealous of tom cruise because here's tom cruise making millions and millions of dollars and you know what did he get there first? He got the right break. Like, you know, like, but it's not about that here. Right. It's like, what do I have to offer? We all have this really unique set of circumstances that shape who we are, how we relate to the world. And when we see that text, when we see that piece, the way that we present it is always in some way tainted and painted by, by who we are. So having, you know, robotic automated voice systems, we don't really engage with them that well. Right. But, get a person that just actually can act and react and listen and and you know it's 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 kind of that magic that we all hope for and yet it's the most kind of almost the simplest the most basic you know just put a microphone in front of them and 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 maybe give them some encouragement and you know how we thought about tried this da, 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 da. but really there's the actor being allowed to to play uh, and 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 really hopefully thrive Hmm. Something that we always talk about too with actors is the audition process. And you touched on it briefly there for a second. Um, and, and I recommend to actors who are starting out to find some way, however they can, to get on the other side of an audition and sit, uh, sit at the table and watch auditions come in and understand that if you don't get a role, it, it doesn't mean that you didn't nail your audition. You suck or that you, yeah, that you suck or that this person was better than you. Um, but it's like you said, there can be only one. And it's and the 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 concept of being a fit for something mm -hmm. i don't think enters into a lot of actors minds when they're sitting before they go into an audition where it's like you it might not matter how good or bad you do you might get the part because you're a fit even if you kind of botch the audition and you might sure. not get it no matter how well you perform so there's something in kind of finding that honesty and, and being okay with with that process what do you think about that well i totally agree um two things one I'm telling these so you guys will remind me. One is brand, knowing your brand. Mm. And two is it's not always the best actor that gets the job. It's the actor with the best availability sometimes that gets the job. Right, mm. right. So 
So knowing your brand, of course, is important because your brand changes over time. You know, you might be a, a beautiful ingenue uh, in your teens and 20s and life happens, you change, you mature, you, you know, you start to emulate different types of uh, responses from an audience, then it's best to adapt your brand. It's not helpful for you as a 35 year old mother of three to be going to that, you know, we're doing a, a you know, we're doing a high school prom movie and uh, we're looking for beauty queens and that kind of stuff. And well, I was a beauty queen. Feels like I'm being a bit trite right now. But anyways, you know, my brand has had to adapt too. And, you know, as I've become older and, and, and you know what, to be honest, even more cynical because it's harder to be that pure starry eyed, uh, energized young person when your reality is, is that here's the, here's the, the damage and the toll that it's taken on you as, you know, as a human physically, emotionally, and that's okay because now you get the opportunity with experience and depth to be able to play these other types of roles. And so I used to kind of be scared to just be what is thinking right. that, no, no, keep trying to cram that, you know, square block into the, into the round hole and, and hope that you're the best crammed in square block. Well, that doesn't do anyone any good. Right. Cause you know, we've all got something to offer. And if I go in and I nail that audition, but, the reality is they're really looking for a Chris Hemsworth type. Well, I'm not Chris Hemsworth and that's okay because he's not me. And you know, um, I like, I love the, I love the, the opportunities that that presents because a lot of times we don't see ourselves the way the world sees us and that's normal. I mean, we don't hear ourselves the way the world hears us right, and right, when yeah. people are hearing themselves yeah. back, it's shocking, totally. but you get used to that just like you can get used to, like if you're always cast as a villain, you might want to think about what your brand is. Because mm. if you think, well, I'm such a nice guy, why does everyone want to make me a murderer? How about this? You're typecast as a murderer. You should be like the most bookingest, workingest murderer, you know, for hire guy <laughs> in the industry. Because, you know, even though that wasn't where you hoped you'd end up, of course we all want to be loved and revered and admired. And there are roles for those people. And and you know, and and why shouldn't Zac Efron be taking those roles when he can? But to be honest, there's way more roles for that normal, damaged, interesting person. And and we should be excited to be able to portray it with, with what we've gone through in mm -hmm. our lives. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, uh, I guess... Your first on your IMDb, your first credit um, as a producer was on a short called uh, "Robots Something Robots in Love." Love with <clears throat> the secret lives the of secret robots. Secret lives of robots. There it is. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And I saw it, and 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 it was super fun. Uh, but I know that you connected with Mike Peterson on that. And, and how did that first? Did you act first in one of his things, or how did that? Yeah, when I moved to town. Uh, in oh, 2001, um, I started, you know, doing, doing part-time acting and, and, and had a, uh, I was actually a, a window dresser at the Bay downtown. Hmm. You could have seen my work in the early 2000s <laughs> if you were driving downtown Calgary. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think maybe it was oh three or oh four when, uh, Mike Peterson moved back to town and I got cast in his, uh, first short film 
from uh, from his return from from schooling abroad, and um, you know didn't know him and and uh, was just a actor at that point and it was a quite a small set and all the problems that go with that budget and time and the amount of team and and uh, I was uh, starting. Uh, in events coordination on the side with with uh, with that same uh, store and doing a lot of their launches and, and parties and product and so I was starting to learn how how to manage events and um, the skills of which are so translatable. Well, I didn't realize at the time, but yes. Right. So I go as an actor and I'm on these short films and I'm seeing this as a kind of a blanket problem, right? That they tended to be disorganized mm-hmm. and and for a number of reasons sometimes it's just manpower sometimes it's just money sometimes it's just that there wasn't the people uh, in place that were making that the focus and I and I I felt even as an actor that well we were all at a disadvantage now you know I mean it's 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 possibly the most important part mm. because it can be great to have a great visionary director and a great script and great talent and and at the end of the day if the process was so disorganized and or you know stressful because of that was the best end result coming of it and was the best experience creating it happening and and so it, you know <laughs> this is so long ago but okay so the end of the shoot comes and you know it's a lot of those classic long exhausting days and people getting pissy and i'm in front of the camera so i'm having to try and and navigate a, you know challenging set of short film circumstances and mm-hmm. I finally get wrapped and uh god for people that are in this industry industry and, and know who who this guy is so I go up to Mike at the end I'm like you know thanks so much for the opportunity he's like yeah yeah good job and um I hug him <laughs> and he's I don't know six foot two or th- he's a big guy yeah. and I'm like five eight so I'm like you know in my, <laughs> I'm in his bosom right and he's a broad-shouldered kind of football type guy and uh I don't think he hugged me back. He's just kind of <laughs> stood there like that dad that doesn't love you. <laughs> and, uh, and and I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Booted it out of there. I was like, fuck. Okay, whatever. I, I, I shouldn't have. Uh, I overstepped, I guess. But, you know, for me, I was like, we did this collaborative process together. I'm, yeah, yeah. We're I'm, out of it. We're on the other I'm, side. You know, yeah. I'm happy. We, you know, we made it home, brother. We're mm-hmm. <laughs> t- ticker, ticker, ticker tape parade is coming. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah. So, you know, I go off and I start auditioning for other things again. And. A little while later, he calls me up. He's like, "Yeah, hey, I really enjoyed working with you. I've got these other things coming up." And um, I was like, "Oh, great! Yeah, of course. You know, we all just want to work. I mean, that's just being an artist or being an actor. We just, yeah. you know, seriously. If I can give one piece of advice to to producers, directors, ask who you want, even if you don't think you can afford them, because people just want mm-hmm. to be a part of things that they're interested in, mm-hmm. or they're bored. I mean, send something something you're interested in to someone that's bored that you think is out of your league." I can nearly guarantee you, you'll find a way to make it happen. Right, right. But yeah, so anyway, so because of that shaky start, he uh, he started casting me in almost everything he did from that point out. And as our relationship matured, I started saying, here's where I think I can contribute as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I started basically production managing as well oh. as acting. And then I started taking a less role in front of the camera and focusing more on production managing and kind of like assistant producing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and we we just kind of kept that momentum going. We were we were uh, creating bigger projects. We were moving into commercials. We were moving into um, documentaries. Um, we were starting a, a a company, and then we we started uh, trying to create 
feature films and um and that was you know like that was a, a tra- trajectory but um but yeah it was it was because i was trying to hopefully elevate every set that i personally was on because mm-hmm. i wanted the end product to personally be the most rewarding so that when we shared it when we showed it it would have the best chance of of engagement and, and hopefully success for all of us that i thought well we'll just apply some of these event management skills to uh production management skills and and i nice. kind of learned what being a pm was and right. then luckily eventually you can start hiring people to be the pm so you can focus on even uh broader parts of the uh, production process right right and so that led to to uh, the the Eddie's documentary, which you were involved as a producer as well. Yeah, that was our our major feature documentary, which did very well, as I recall. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, geez, success is all yeah, so course, arbitrary in a lot it's of ways, or subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a really cool project. We we uh, we shot a a crap ton of footage following all of these prospective teams. Then we were really fortunate that some of those teams made it to the to the awards night. And uh, so we got to kind of go on this journey with them, but you know that type of documentary is super unstructured, right? We right. don't we don't know what the story is until you know the sixty or seventy hours of footage are being logged right. after the fact, yeah. and hoping that we can create a thread line. And it, you know it was uh, a neat project, and it got really kind of a, a cool exposure outlet where Big Rock chose to put it in uh, in beer cases nationwide. So I think they really I think they did like that's awesome. I want to say 30,000 units. Holy, I had no idea. That's awesome. So, you know, in some ways, that was a, a huge success. Yeah. Didn't really pay us anything, but, <laughs> you know, but costs got covered and, sure. and we had this piece out there. And, it was, you know, it was, of course, like a big uh, untapped distribution model. And, we, mm-hmm. and, you know, we started percolating, well, how does, how does that factor into our, you know, our next projects and how do we, you know, just keep reimagining how the wheel can be even better, right? Mm-hmm. And this was back in 07 or, you know, 06 or whatever that was. And things were pretty good around here. And we started looking at doing uh, a feature film called uh, The Knights of Awesome, which was a LARPing comedy, which was an unheard of kind of uh, geekdom that, that was, was super out, you know, off the radar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, went down to L.A. and started doing uh, table reads and pitches and um, came back and started raising financing and getting investors and and then the uh, the big 08 uh, uh, market hit happened uh, right. and everything you know not too dissimilar to how we're feeling today everything got uh, immediately belt tightened you know mm-hmm. like people just clamped down on everything they they uh, they just really went into protection mode and so it became a real arduous task to complete the financing to to end up getting to uh, go to production, go to camera, mm-hmm. and, and then such a long process of, of uh, you know, post and then uh, festival circuit and then finding a distributor that's, you know, uh, you know willing to work with such an indie project. All of a sudden, these things are, you know, five and six year turnarounds and you're still an independent artist on the side. <laughs> and, you know, like it's like, well, you know, part of why people drop out. That's not sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. Like unless you've got someone paying your bills, it's not going to work as a business model because someone needs to float that boat for five or six years, if, if you, especially if you're not gonna pay the people that are doing the majority of the work. Like, right. how can you expect to come to the finish line of something you're gonna wanna sell if eventually everyone's just like, I had to, I had to step back. You know, you just, you weren't creating an opportunity where we could survive, mm-hmm. not even survive, let alone thrive, right? right. Like, yeah. you know, the well ran dry, then you asked for more, I tried to find it, then you asked for more, it, you know, it was like, 
Well, okay. So while Lloyd went out to market, you know, had to rejig a few things and, and, um, and, uh, you know, we were just about to see the release of, um, the feature film we service produced called drawing home, uh, which is a Rutger Hauer, uh, period piece out of, uh, based on the white family in Banff, um, oh. with Julie Lynn Mortensen and, uh, Juan Rydinger from, uh, from Canada here as the leads, which was a really cool thing because as the movie got more and more involved, they started bringing in all these celebrities like Kate Mulgrew, who played uh, Captain Janeway on Voyager. Mm, she ended yeah, up being yeah. the mom, and wow. and uh, and yeah, Rutger, and uh, that was really cool. Wallace Shawn, who you know most people know him from the Voice World because he's in tons of product, but a lot of people will recognize him from The Princess Bride as the inconceivable guy. <laughs> um, you know, and all of a sudden there's all these like cool, quirky you know, well-established, mature talent. And it was like, well, this project's getting really interesting. But then the project went down to the States for post-production and they kind of, you know, were trying to reinvent the wheel and, and it just took years. Yeah. And so well, now we're, we're finally seeing that the product is, is ready for market and we'll see if it, um, if it has a, a release here in Canada that we'll be able to, to showcase. But yeah. but yeah, so, you know, second feature film, with a greater than $1 million budget under my belt. And it's just about to come out. And, you know, I think most people would say that I'm, I'm more entrenched as a voice and film and television actor now than, than as a producer, because, you know, waiting for these projects to, to materialize and to have recoupment structures and, you know, well, that momentum is near impossible to, to just ride out, just wait on. I think it's something too, that people getting into the industry don't, understand is how long that process is mm-hmm. and i think we're even in the same boat right we're oh yeah just, yeah well all the more yeah if you're the new kid on the block yeah mm-hmm. i mean sure once you have a film or two maybe you can create a more linear pre-production and post model that you know it's like well we know where it's going and maybe we have some deliverable dates at least our contract stipulates da, 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 da. but to make it hope that it's good enough and obviously that takes time because you're making it up as you go you're like well no why don't we go back try these other things because we we only have one shot at this right instead of having someone who's like a mentor to work with you to do a bit of a trickle down effect where here's what we need here's how we need it you know and then i'm going to come in and i'm going to elevate it all up enough you know that's a great producer Mm -hmm. that's a great partner Mm -hmm. or that's a great uh, distributor or, or you know maybe it's someone else in your team but if you're the plucky kids hoping to make something that will create this big wave it's very unlikely you'll do it without that top-down mentorship right, and right. you know that's the other th- side is you can have all of the um, the the energy and, and the positivity and, and the drive and all the rest but sometimes you just don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. and it's so helpful not from a, an efficiency but a financial standpoint to have someone that's able to say i can only give you one percent of the time needed for this but in that time i'm going to help you focus on the right things instead right. of getting detracted. Right. Wow. Yeah. This has been intense. I've, <laughs> I like listening to you. You have not only a great voice as you well know, but great insight. So thank you. Um, so yeah, I don't know We're we're, we're at 53 minutes. So. Yeah. I mean, I always like to get into some nuts and bolts stuff yeah. um, near the end. So what are some tools that you, that you would recommend for, young or aspiring actors to kind of get started like where can they where can they look who can they google what's up um okay some resources i suppose for new talent um 
the Actor Alberta website kind of has a list of agencies that they believe are reputable. Um, I think that's a great place to start, uh, just so that you know kind of what's the the breadth of the market, where are they located? You know, especially if if you're in an area that might not be Calgary specific, maybe you'll see that there's representation closer to where you are. Or think about the markets you want to be working in. If if you want to be working in Vancouver, then you you do not want an Alberta. Uh, agent because they are they are mostly going to be focusing on this market. Mm. But if you can find a way to get in with a Vancouver agent and give them what they need to be able to represent you, because you have to think about you're the commodity, you have to make money for them to be interested. They don't really care about your dream. They they care about whether you have a skill that they can market and capitalize mm, right. on and hopefully grow a career with you because then everybody wins. That's that's a great relationship. Um, but yeah, so like look at what your market is. If you live in rural uh, Alberta, for you know, for an example, what is available to you there? Do you have opportunities? Is there is there even a playhouse? Like, is there even uh, a community theater group? If there's none of those things, then yeah, you probably either need to relocate or make sure that you're focusing on a market that you can get to and from rather easily and contribute in that market. Because whether you're new or established, these types of things are great. Uh, training grounds and great connection grounds. If you're going to be a part of a, a project for two or three months, like a like a theater show, you're going to get to know a, a good scope of of your community uh, because these people typically do not just live in the theater; they're connected in 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 most of the facets of the industry. And you'll develop a relationship and a rapport and hopefully a reputation with them that they will help champion you in the community. And then, you know, it's focusing on who's going to give you a job. So a lot of people want to take, um, like they want to take audition workshops for for an example, and and a lot of people say, well, who who should I take an audition workshop from? Because there's a lot of on, a lot on offer, and I go, well, who's going to give you the job? Oh, I don't even I don't even know. Right. Okay. <laughs> so here's here's where I rejig your question. Okay. So how can you get the job? Um, what's the most linear path between you getting the job? And and it would be, in my opinion taking the casting agent's workshop. Because mm -hmm. how valuable is it to get to spend a day or a weekend with the casting agent who will not only give you feedback and critique as to what they need while you're doing it, but then that relationship you have, they can they can remember you. It's not a two minute audition where they saw a thousand people that week. They spent a weekend with you and eight or seven other students. Yeah, They worked with you because they're hoping that they're going to be able to call on you at some point and you're going to come in and not stink up the room because they would they would love for you to be the right person for the right job. Yeah. Because that's what a casting agent's job is. Not to keep you out, but to champion you as, as the solution to the problem. I've got this role to fill. Please be the right match. Please be yeah. the right match. Yeah. Every person that comes in that door, please be the right match. Oh my God, thanks. We have two possible matches today. Great day. Hard choice. Great day. Totally. So that's where I would say most people need to start. And then every market has its limitations. Calgary's got its limitations. Vancouver and Toronto have their limitations. There's only so much in each area of the work that's available there. And here's this uh, you know, hot tip. The internet is a great equalizer. <laughs> mm. I have plenty of VA uh, voice actor friends who don't even live in major centers. Mm. There's literally some that live in cabins in the woods wow. because 
they've put the infrastructure in mm-hmm. obviously they're connected to you know they've, they've got connections to the world via their laptop and and you know a lot of them have like the isdn line so they can do live feeds with directors and all over the world but they, they've chosen that route i'm just saying as an example it it doesn't matter where you are if you want to do certain types of work but if that's the type of work you want to do well then you know where are you now and where do you want to be because you going out and getting a ten thousand dollar microphone when you do $100 promo things for your friends every month or two, that's probably not where you're at right now. But instead of having that debt load, like, you know, like you see uh, students come out of university and and have these huge debt loads and it creates uh, to a certain degree a resentment that I put in all this time and money and work, I am owed, I deserve. That's not really helpful for anyone. No. But if you're doing $100 a month promos for your friends and you just want to elevate your game, well, the sky's the limit. I mean, the, the 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 amount of choice for like a little USB microphone for like fifty bucks mm-hmm. that elevates you from well, doesn't sound like it was on his iPhone. Like, it doesn't you know like or <laughs> yeah. like, you know I'm not hearing a word from his his laptop. Like yeah. all those little things. Yeah, okay, I've got a fifty or a hundred dollar microphone, and that has enabled me to branch out into two hundred, three hundred dollar promos, not just for my friends now, but for also these people in my community or these people online that mm-hmm. that see uh, potential because I'm still fledging and I'm still, and as you go, I don't think you'll ever regret, you know, that these were the steps you took. And then you'll find a place where, okay, I might maybe I'm on a cusp or on a tier of, I do a lot of this type of work and I'd like to start doing this. And that's when, okay, I need to spend a little bit of money now, or I need to get a, a, or training to, to be able to touch that market. So I need something that's going to have a breadth both ways. Right. And for me, uh, you know, I've been in the industry over a decade and a lot of people, I don't know if they assume, but they ask me a lot about, well, how do you, how's your home set up like? Oh, well, it all fits in a Tupperware bin so I can take it to the hotel with me when I'm away on trips so that I can turn things around for clients. Really. Like, oh, so you don't have like a full studio. I'm like, my current needs don't dictate that, right. you know, right. like to have a three, seven, $12,000 booth put into my basement. Well, that money right now is better spent on keeping my kids alive and my mortgage paid. <laughs> right. But I'm not opposed to that being a potential eventual that the work now dictates that I'm going to need to put a little more infrastructure. But right now, what I what I chose to invest in was like a basic a mobile studio, right? Like just a, a basic, like, like think of a basic box that you open up, you've got kind of that padded setup, you've got the mic in there, you've got like a three quarter shield. You've got your, you know, you've got your, uh, your, 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 you know, your, your M box or whatever you, you, your converter box, and uh, you know, just the very basic things like a pop screen and a, you know, it just that way, when you go and you create, you're giving something at a almost studio level. But I'm not there to compete with studios. Right. I mean, that's not my job. Nor am right. I an engineer. So I'm going to give you really great raw audio. You guys. You guys take it to your engineer and and mix it and play with it at, at your side because mm-hmm. I'm not going to pitch myself as that if I'm not that. Some people are, but right, but I am not. Huh. That's cool. And what about uh, just what was your first audition that you got like? What was that experience like? Sorry, I, just because you were talking about auditions a little bit, I think it's an important thing for people who are interested. If you remember, it, it, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if it's uh doesn't have to be first, but one that sticks out, I guess. 
The things that always surprised me in the audition room were uh, for people that can't see me through the microphone. I'm a 30 something year old white male and uh, casting breakdowns would come out and they would be like, I need a seamstress, any age, any ethnicity, gender's not really that important. And I'd be mad that I'm going out for this right. because it's like, don't waste our time, mm -hmm. you know? And obviously I show up there, there's a hundred people of diverse backgrounds and ages. And I'm like, this is their opportunity to add some interesting casting to their, you know, like, and not to be dismissive, but, you know, I go in there, I do my work, um, for better, or for worse, I'm not too invested in it, right? Like I go in, I do the scene. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving my performance. I'm being a professional, but I, I, I leave there going, I don't, I don't really need to be seen for that kind of stuff. Right. And then the call comes. You got it. <laughs> <sighs> Why? <laughs> like, you know, part of it is the less you care, the less you stink of, um, of desire, of need, of yeah, desperation, yeah, yeah. right? Like, like that is a thing, right? For sure. If you come in and you physically, emotionally, you know, need that part, like they, they smell it. It is, yeah. it, it, it's one of those fake it till you make it things. Like, even if this is the most important role of your day, you gotta go in there and just be calm and cool mm -hmm. and, and you know, it pretty, it was okay, no problem. <laughs> but the desperation, yeah, it, it leaves a, it leaves a trace. Yeah. And so not to say every audition go in and throw it away, but there's something to be said for when you, when you have the skills and you have, you've done the work and then, you know, that old ad, uh, adage that you throw the work away, right? It's in there, trust mm -hmm. it, trust mm -hmm. yourself, go in, you do a good job and film is less, you know, a lot of the times film is less, uh, the less is more formula. Yeah, yeah. And so anytime, especially beginning of my career, anytime I'd go in, I would act the crap out of that. <laughs> and I'd get all these great notes back, thankfully, that, you know, they would see me again. But um, he's a bit theatrical. It's a bit big if there's a way to, you know, and then those courses with the casting agents are so valuable for that because mm. they can go, great, what you're doing, internalize all of that and uh, and we'll see it. Just like stop making us see it. And, right. and those are great things to learn because yeah, yeah, yeah. We, don't, we don't think of acting that way. We do that in our lives. We don't sit here and, and emote and, and you know, <laughs> do you feel me? And But the, 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 the theater's subtle, a bit more in the that. The subtle nuance, right? yeah, right. But, but the but, camera doesn't need to, you don't need to hit the back of the room with it. Yeah. Well, it hates it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, those are the auditions I, I tend to, to remember and laugh about because, and that one in particular, I go, great, um, now the, the role is seamstress. Are we going to be changing that to tailor or anything? Nope. <laughs> Okie doke. All right. I did have a question on your IMDb page. Is the role seamstress? And it's like, yeah. Huh, cool. Uh, it's Wild Roses season one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like those types of things, they, they've they happened uh, often to me. I, I, same with um, playing flamboyant characters. Mm. You know, I often got, conf not confused with, but people often assumed uh, that I was gay as a young person because I was in theater. I was, you know, I was thin. I, w I was, I was pretty. I, I, I you know, I, I really cared about my looks, and I, you know, they, I was just a vain young person. <laughs> but because of the, you know, the lifestyle I had, they, 
uh, plus I had this retail voice because I didn't feel it was safe to talk in my normal voice because I thought it was too intimidating, <laughs> right? <laughs> so when people would come to the store and I'd, oh, hi, how are you? Would you like some? Okay, great. And I didn't even know I was doing it. But all of a sudden I, I started getting all of these, um, uh, these, these flamboyant characters, these very gregarious uh, kind of, you know, homosexual archetypes, you know, stereotypes. And I was like, well, that's pretty weird. And... And then eventually like go, okay, well that's something that apparently my brand is good for. Mm-hmm. And it's time to find a way of, of you know, absorbing, adapting, utilizing that and making sure that, you know, that there's there's humanity to it and that, right. and that it's, it, you know, they, they want these stereotypes, but am I gonna be satisfied with right. that, right? right. So, yeah. um, so it's, you know, it's kind of been a running uh, joke through my career that, um, I get paid to flirt with guys all day and then I go home to my wife and kids and, uh, and, and, you know, typecast is cast. You know, I would have never put myself in those, in those types of roles, just like I would have never cast myself as muscular fighters in, right. in cartoons. Right. I didn't see my brand the same way the world was seeing my brand. And, and, you know, you can fight against your brand if you want to, but that's a lot of effort. And, uh, to be honest, typecast is cast. You're, you're gonna rarely find an actor that doesn't want the work or the money because it's, uh, you know, it, it's something they've they've done before, or you right, know, like right. you have to be at a pretty high echelon in your in your career and in your finances to be like not interested in your paid work. Thank you. Right. Yeah. True enough. Well, I think that's a lot of awesome stuff. It sounds like we need to have you back on another time. Yeah, I feel like we could chat <laughs> all day. There's a lot more to go over. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again soon, I hope. It's a pleasure. Obviously, I should probably say brendanhunter.com is now up oh, and running. Oh, of course, yes. And you have a voice and, acting workshop coming uh, up. They're sold out. But I will oh, okay. put on more. Okay. Um, it seems to be one of the great reinforcement of skills for me is to be teaching on mm-hmm. my courses because again we all do these things and we don't know even what we know until we have to teach it so right. uh, i've really appreciated that people want to come and play on mic with me and learn about this industry and you know i really try and teach an intro career course as to what it's like to be a va in in this province and what they can expect and where they should be trying to go and what they should be trying to work on because it's a it's a specific medium i mean yeah. as any art form is you might be a great stage actor and and it's just an adaptation of skills mm-hmm. the one thing i do try and reiterate is if if you want to be a voice actor you you do need to want to act right you do need to want to connect with with text on the emotional level because if you just want to be a a voice over artist like those are different things mm. and that's that's something we can talk about too because if you want to do books on tape you're probably gonna need to act a bit if you just want to read you know corporate manuals for you know like a well that'd be the most boring book on tape to me but a lot of people do that they need yeah, you know yeah. their corporate manuals and and if you've got a great voice and a great understanding of that world that's another way to apply your skills but but yeah being a va is being an actor first and just adapting the skills down to this you know narrow tube of uh metal and uh and and being able to get that message across in that very specific fashion right on well thank you brendan really appreciate it pleasure john see you again 
Wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much, Brendan. That was so personal and uh, and so useful, I think. Yeah, I hope that our, our aspiring or existing working actors um, got a little bit out of that. For me, as, a, as you know, like you said, we, we both were at a time where being an actor was, was an idea. And uh, I think there's some really useful, useful information in, in there that... Uh, that any young actor or new actor could could be uh, could find very useful. Not to mention that we got to get them on again. There's yeah. so many other things to talk about, with, like like many people. But but man, there are more things I want to talk with the Brendan about. So thanks for being here, sir. Yeah. And let's jump into the deadlines. Certainly. So the new quarterly online publication Luma, which we talked about last week. Um, is still accepting submissions for their April issue uh, until one week today, uh, which is February 15th. Um, so to clarify, that means that the deadline is February 15th, not, not uh, today's February 15th. So yeah, check them out, uh, lumaquarterly.com and uh, get your material in so you can be in that publication. Uh, yeah, speaking of important February 15th deadlines, the State Film and Video Production Program has their deadline coming up uh, on February 15th as well. Uh, we mentioned it last time around, but your deadline's even shorter now. So check out sate.ca to find out more information. And we'll have the link right to the actual program in the show notes. Last week, uh, the Telefilm Micro Budget Program Guidelines were announced yeah, um, with a tight turnaround. Um, most uh, There was about a month that you have to submit um, your uh, feature film project with a budget of less than $250,000 um, to one of Telefilm's partner organizations uh, in Alberta. You can find those uh, at CSIF and FAVA. Um, so check them out. Um, and if you have a, a feature film idea um, or ideally a finished script, which is something that you'll require uh, and don't want to bang it out in a month, um, yeah, have a look and um, Telefilm will supply up to uh, 120,000. Um, they've added another component for uh, a digital marketing expert. Um, and of course, uh, yeah, it's a great program. A lot of cool cool features have been financed through it, including uh, the Valley Below. Um, there are a lot of ins and outs to the application, though, so you got to check out your partner organization's application guidelines as well as telephones, and you got to right. go through it with a fine-tooth comb to make sure you're eligible and, and have a, a bang in application. But uh, they, they pick more than one um, yeah, telephone from does, the yeah. partner applications that, mm -hmm. that submit. So uh, it's definitely a, a great opportunity if you're trying to get uh, your very first uh, micro-budget feature made. So we've got the link to uh, directly to the micro-budget program in our show notes. Check them out and uh, apply. And Alberta filmmakers Kyle Thomas Thomas and Benjamin Ross Hayden are both successful applicants. Um, so congrats to those guys. Let's keep it coming. Yeah, for sure. And the Particle Wave 2.5 fundraiser is happening on February 19th uh, from 7 to 11 p.m. You can get your tickets early for $15 and uh, 20 plus GST at the door. Uh, it's going to be a bunch of great artists showcasing their work and raising money for great causes. And you're going to get some door prizes and it's going to be a fun time. So go check it out link is in the description and you can also check out mmedia.ca for more information on that organization and what they're up to uh, workshops and classes coming up if you're looking to sharpen your filmmaking acts um, and you're up in edmonton the fava main course workshop starts up again uh, on february 20th so this is their intermediate production class it uh, you take it after you take their video kitchen course um, or have the equivalent experience that you can prove um, and it takes you through the production of a, of a short film from pre-production through to completion uh, great uh, great organization great exercise so if you're uh yeah anything from learning how to level a dolly the difference between a mafer cardellini and gator clamp um so all sorts of stuff and uh just a yeah, great hands-on experience uh, so check them out at fava.ca 
Uh, and here in Calgary, uh, M Media is holding their Lighting Fundamentals Workshop on Saturday, February 20th from 10 to 4 p.m. In this course, you're going to learn all sorts of video lighting techniques, and it's going to teach you how to uh, get set up with a with maybe an interview lighting setup or, or a scene lighting setup. Um, and it's just awesome information to have in your toolkit as a filmmaker. Sure. Um, and it's, again, at mmedia, so check out mmedia.ca or the link in our show notes for more information. Uh, what's shooting right now? When an ERP continues continues to move forward ever mm -hmm. forward um the night pond which we've been talking about for a while just wrapped yeah. last week congrats um, to them yeah congrats to them on uh on such a huge accomplishment yeah it looked like a challenging shoot all um, a lot of night shoots it looked like yeah. a lot of uh, outdoor at, on a pond a, shoots yeah, on an ice, <laughs> ice rink. so it must have been a challenge but uh no film is fun without some challenge so i hope uh con yeah congratulations to everybody who worked on that uh, job calls. The Banff Center is hiring three intern and practicum positions. We talked about this last week, but uh, they're still yeah. open, so check them out. They are uh, hiring an animation and design practicum, audio engineer practicum, and a photography practicum. And we've got the links to those in the show notes. And Six Degrees is hiring a full-time producer and studio manager, as we mentioned last week. Uh, duties will include project management, client management, budget, talent coordination, all kinds of fun stuff. Sounds like a really cool job, and you can check out more at their LinkedIn job post, which you will find in our show notes totally so recommendations what do you got matt it's it's deadpool weekend i just right. watched the super bowl yesterday like it, it looks like a total riot to me i haven't seen it but i'm gonna recommend you go and see it anyway because it just looks like a blast and i'm a huge fan of just ryan reynolds and that character and the director seems like like he's not a he's he's like in his 50s this is his first feature i believe um very very uh crazy story that it even happened um, and I'm very excited to see it. Um, did you see the some of the marketing campaign? Of, yeah, course, of course, is insane. Yeah. But even just yesterday, they had Deadpool in a in a commercial for insurance, and then on Twitter later that night, Deadpool's Twitter account was talking to insurance, and they were like they're having some sweepstakes and Deadpool's like, Hey, can I win the sweepstakes? And they're like, ah, no, sorry. You were in our commercial. So you're technically ineligible. And he's like, get bent insurance. <laughs> it's like no marketing campaign can do something like that except for this one. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It is kind of nice to have that niche of just being the, yeah. well, the Merc with the mouth, right? So for sure. it's exciting. Uh, my recommendation is a new, is a new tool that I've discovered, which uh, I'm sure a lot of After Effects users know about called the After Effects animation composer. Um, it's a free plugin for After Effects um, where you can like animate uh, like text or, or icons or anything like that with really easy drag and drop stuff. It's incredible. And uh, yeah, really give uh, your, your, even if you're new to After Effects um, like me, you can kind of figure out a little bit how to use it and uh, put some slick looking stuff together. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, really cool stuff. And uh, it's free at uh, mrhorse.tv. This dude uh, developed this and has so much <laughs> So it's like a plugin, like a third party. Yeah, it's a third party plugin everybody for After Effects it. that apparently yeah. everybody uses. Yeah, um, wow. I can't believe uh, I'm shamed to say that I didn't know about it beforehand. <laughs> So check Nor it out, I. Animation Composer, and uh, yeah, really exciting stuff. Anyway, so we know we, we took a lot of your time today with Brendan, so we're trying to blast through these. Yeah, have a great week, and go, go make something.